Welcome to Health Hats, learning on the journey towards best health. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege living in a food oasis who can afford many hats and knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. Most people wear hats one at a time, but I wear them all at once. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. A few weeks ago on this podcast, I introduced you to a project I've been working on, person-first safe living in a pandemic. I share it with you for several reasons. First, I focus my days on learning how people make health choices and decisions in real time. To further that, I commit to improving the alignment of questions people ask and the available research. What better context to explore than in this pandemic? Just as the issues and tensions of health equity and systemic racism exist all the time, the problem of finding trusted evidence informed guidance exists all the time, but heightens during this pandemic. Second, I'm fascinated by the challenge of communicating what works for people and what doesn't, specifically communication leading to action. Action means changes in behavior and practice. I endlessly perseverate about end users, audience, medium, message, and methods. Third, preparing the written material and this podcast episode helps us, this small mighty band of volunteers, to reflect on what we're doing and why we're doing it. This exercise of writing and recording gives us material to share in various venues and media as we try to spread the word and enlist other volunteers. On the one hand, the details of how the sausage is made can be unappealing and dry. On the other hand, I'm so excited about it. I gotta share it with you. Okay, here goes, part two. Welcome to part two of our Person First Safe Living in a Pandemic series. This one's about finding information about safe living in a pandemic. In part one, we introduce Carlos, an ICU nurse treating COVID-19 patients. He's struggling to manage COVID-19 and life outside of the hospital with his sister and his mother. We began to examine the question, how can regular people, like Carlos, find up-to-date, trustworthy answers to questions they have about living safely in a pandemic? That's finding answers when they have questions in a manner that's useful to them. In part one, we shifted from patient-centered thinking to a person-first point of view. Person-first meaning we start with understanding people and hearing their questions and concerns and then looking for answers. We recognize that the end users of our work are what we call community resources. We define them as relative experts with at least a 15-minute advantage of knowledge and expertise 
both with and without credentials after their names. Our audience is experts in the knowledge management, that's computerized decision support and library science fields. We asked how the research and knowledge management industry can help regular people and communities find evidence-informed guidance to live safely. Also in part one, we introduced ourselves as a mighty band of volunteers. We described the early steps of our journey. We said that we knew we would hit a home run when interested. No, excited people. Come on board, work with us, and carry the project to a sustainable conclusion. We have had new people in organizations join us in the few months we've been working. So in this part two, we ask, how can Carlos and his community resources find evidence and form guidance to help answer the questions he and his family ask? Again, in a manner useful to them and at the time they need it. So what questions might they have? Who might they ask? How can they find what they need? So let's think first about questions people ask. So as we became acquainted with people like Carlos, we listened to the questions they asked about COVID-19. They asked about treatment, testing, work and school, transportation, money, safe living in a pandemic. Everyone sought to find answers in the context of their conditions, their environment, and their circumstances. They sought options to manage their lives and health, not just diagnosis and treatment. Overloaded would understate our feelings after listening to the massive scope of questions about COVID-19 we heard people asking really paralyzed may be more accurate. So we elected to focus on testing for no reason beyond a possible common thread and the participation in our group of Michael Waters, a testing expert with the FDA. We took advantage of his expertise. So we listened informally for a week to families, friends, colleagues, social media, popular media, wherever we went for questions people asked about COVID-19 testing. We seldom needed to bring up the subject. It was a routine topic everywhere, validating our unscientific choice of focus. In that week, we cataloged 75 different questions about testing that we distilled down to 11. See the full 11 in the show notes. Here are a few. How much will a COVID test cost me? If a test shows that I have antibodies to COVID, am I safe? When will I be able to get a test I can do at home? Who besides me will get my test results? What will they do with it? Am I being enrolled in an experiment? If I get an antibody test and have antibodies, do I still need to wear a mask? Then it's finding answers. Each person on our team chose one question from that list of 11 and for a week looked for answers in academic literature, popular in social media, and from lay experts. We felt sobered and disappointed at the gap between people's questions and the available reliable information to answer those questions. Useful evidence-informed guidance was exceedingly difficult to find. 
internet searches range from a fire hose of information to imp- to incomprehensible resources. We heard overwhelming distrust in information in every flavor imaginable. Some sources trusted Dr. Fauci, some President Trump, some trusted the CDC, others didn't. It was all over the map. Now, we would all benefit from a means to quickly focus, laser-like, on the information we need, when we need it, in a manner we can use, searching. Perhaps experts in computable decision science and library science could help with findability. What followed was an exercise in classification, metadata, and tagging. So traditionally, academics and scientists use NLM, the National Library of Medicine Resources, including PubMed and other classification systems to help organize and search for academic literature. Some regular people, not clinicians, not academics, not librarians, not clinical decision support professionals, some regular people are comfortable searching using these more traditional but often less user-friendly means. Other people just use a search engine to type a question or a few words into an internet browser and ask someone, a crony, a neighbor, a respected person, a community resource. Either way, the range of responses starts with nothing, in rare cases, and ends with way too much, almost all of which is nonspecific and may not align well with the original question. So Carlos might search for COVID-19 testing for ICU nurses. This, those words, COVID-19 testing for ICU nurses. And he might search in PubMed, Medline Plus, or on Google. Well, we found that each search would return quite different results. And often those results change daily or even more frequently. Let me give you the top three search results in PubMed, Medline Plus, and Google. In PubMed, number one was COVID-19, a perspective on Africa's capacity and response. Number two, use of personal protective equipment against coronavirus disease, 2019 by healthcare professionals in Wuhan, China, a cross-sectional study. And third was Effective hydrocortisone on mortality and organ support in patients with severe COVID-19. The REMAP-CAP COVID-19 corticosteroid domain randomized clinical trial. (sighs) Medline Plus, the top three. A guide to surgical specialists. For parents, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children associated with COVID-19. And third, what is a ventilator? In Google, the top three were guidance for healthcare workers about COVID-19 testing, clinical care guidance for healthcare professionals about coronavirus, and a Texas ICU nurse is hospitalized with COVID-19 after testing negative. We also found marked variation in results among different browsers, Firefox, Chrome, Bing, DuckDuckGo. Of course, if we changed a word in the search, the results were different. Some useful, most not. 
The reality, of course, being that usefulness is critical, but often hard to achieve. So let's think about custom searching for usefulness. For me, about me, by me. So anyone searching for something in a library, a bookstore, a website, their bureau or closet, hopes they find order rather than chaos. The right stuff at the right time in a manner that makes sense. Socks in the sock drawer, fiction with fiction. When we think about this as accessibility, we're referring to a language I understand, complexity that matches my experience, media I'm comfortable with, time it takes to consume, and the intended audience. Of course, we need a short summary to help make a quick decision or judgment so we don't waste our precious time. We might also want to search or filter for specific subtopics like K-12, college, travel, transportation, etc. These are general categories. Tagging is a further search refinement. In the end, we want to search for information about a question we have that relates to us and our situation and find meaningful results. This categorization and filtering help successful finding. Okay, now let's talk about metadata, which is data about data, and tagging. So metadata, data about data, can help us organize. How can we use decision support tools in library science to help organize and help us find the right stuff at the right time in the right manner? Well, as no budget volunteers, we could not afford to reinvent the wheel. We considered existing and new metadata that might be easily automated. Existing metadata because standards may have already been set for that data. We considered crowdsourced approaches like Wikipedia to generate relevant metadata, find a cadre of people who recommend evidence-informed sources of information, and assign metadata to their recommended resources. We look to common clinical decision support standards since this is where our work started, and then we worked on adding what's missing. So there's good news and bad news in what we've done here. We found intersections with other disciplines. We've seen organizations and individuals attempting to solve similar problems. And we found some good examples of what we need to do next. However, the work isn't easy or straightforward. Now a word about our sponsor, a bridge. Use a bridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E.com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. Okay, now tagging. So tags, their custom subcategories can help people find what they're looking for when browsing or searching. Think a navigation tool, a GPS. Some platforms use hashtags. Some use freeform tags. Some have their own internal tags. 
A nice example can be found at the website Prescription to Learn. See it in the show notes. That uses exciting examples of navigation tools. Check it out there. Some tags may be more useful than others. Successful tagging depends on how people think and search. Therefore, it includes much redundancy. It's hard to imagine the full automation of tagging. After all, we are our own best curators of the information we need. So who's responsible for tagging or has the time, the energy, the resources to manage and curate all of the information out there? We think perhaps tagging that is useful could and should be crowdsourced. Let me give you an example of tags for this piece. COVID-19, safe living, COVID-19 testing, quarantine, evidence, findability, community resources, searching, EBSCO, PubMed, NLM, metadata, CDC, tagging. Lots of tags you could use. Taking action. Obviously, taking action is critical here. So what have we done? Well, we've done a couple of things. Partnerships and crowdsourcing. Recently, we agreed to partner with EBSCO to use their Stacks content management system as a library of person-first COVID-19 resources. This content management system provides us with a sandbox, a site to test our findability methods and to further grow our partnerships. It also allows us to test out our ideas about crowdsourcing the tagging process. We accepted this generous offer because a member of our team, Kayla Nelson, stepped up to learn the platform and begin entering resources. We'll have a link to that soon. Crowdsourcing. So the art and science of tag creation feels daunting. That's a tension between standards, a set pool of tags, and the person responsive tags. People think differently. We have found a class of students in healthcare communication who will help us begin crowdsourcing tagging. So what's next? Well, we have more questions, some answers. Our mighty band of volunteers continues to find people and organizations dying to grow this discovery process, find funding, build or join coalitions, and move it along. In the third post, we will continue to share our unfunded discovery journey, moving on to trust and recommendations. We seek to promote a dialogue within the research community and between researchers and laypeople in their communities. Here, we are planting a seed. Please communicate with us on info at safeliving.tech. Use the hashtag SafeLivingPandemic, one word, on Twitter, or check out our website, still in development, at www.safeliving.tech. Thanks. You are part of our experiment as reader and listener. What do you think? What audience are you? Does this episode resonate? Does it motivate you to do anything? With which audience should we share this? Is it too technical? Not technical enough. Interesting? Boring. Share your thoughts and advice at info at safeliving.tech. We need it. Thanks. Onward. See the show notes, previous podcasts, 
and other resources on my website, www.health-hats.com slash pod. Please subscribe or contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.